Let me dive into the message today and uh, kick us off back again. We are now four, we're, we are over the hill, three weeks. We're going six weeks on this thing. I'm in fourth week, so we're coming to the finish line here. And I'll, I'll go ahead and set up everything that we've gone to so far very, very quickly, and then you can go back and watch any of those messages if you so desire. But week one, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is and uh, what his, what, what he, who he is. Uh, in week two, we talked about what the role of the Holy Spirit is and what does he do in our lives. Week three, which was last week, I talked about uh, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the importance of that in our lives and the three different types of baptisms we have. Um, baptism into salvation, baptism in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And today, I'll be answering the question, how do I know I'm filled with the Spirit? Because that's really, honestly, the big question that a lot of people ask is, how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Like, what does that look like? Do I have to be prophesying, or do I have to speak in tongues, or do I have to have these kind of things in my life to really know if I'm really filled with the Spirit? And uh, that's my answer, or that's my question today. We're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But I want to start where I left off last week which is in Ephesians chapter 5, which is where we stopped. That was one of the last verses we did last week, which was Paul's challenge to the Ephesus church uh, to do something. And this is what he said. We read about the Ephesus church in Acts 19 and 20 as well, uh, 18 and 19 last week. But this is what he said. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead be, everybody help me with this, instead be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's actually um, very interesting that the Apostle Paul would correlate wine and being filled with the Spirit. Why in the world would he put those two together and compare being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I think there's a couple things. First off, we know here's, here's some similarities to being drunk and to being, having being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are drunk, it affects every area of your body. It affects everything. Um, how many of you have been drunk? No, I'm joking. Okay, I'm just not going to ask. <clears throat> if you've been drunk before, it affects everything. You say things you normally wouldn't say. You probably say things you should have been saying. I don't know. You, you, it affects your talk. It affects your walk. It affects, it affects everything about you. And the same is actually similar to the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, how many know it affects everything? When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it affects your talk. It affects your walk. It affects everything that you do. So those are some similarities that we see there. But I think there's also some differences between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the differences would be this. I just started writing down a couple of things. Alcohol dulls your senses to reality, whereas the Holy Spirit makes you more aware of your reality. Alcohol gets rid of worry by making you forget, and the Holy Spirit gets rid of your worry by making you remember. And so you have to begin to go back and remember what Christ has done for you. And so, well, you go, well, Pastor Josh, is it wrong to drink? That's not what we're talking about today, okay? So I don't think it is. He doesn't say anything about drinking. He says something about being drunk. And so, and so it's important for us to understand this, that he's correlating the difference between being drunk, being intoxicated, inebriated, 
where you can't really function, you're functioning differently, to being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is that the Holy Spirit now takes over your life and you're doing things maybe that you normally wouldn't do before. And we actually see this all throughout Scripture, um, definitely with the apostles, and you even see it all throughout the Old Testament. But I want us to notice something, because this is Ephesians 5.18, and this is why it's so important. It's so important for you to understand where Scripture is found, because you need to understand, you can easily take verses and take them out of context, read one verse and then make it apply to whatever you want it to. That's why I think it's important to always read the verses that are before it and the verses that are after it. Because you need to understand the context of everything of what the Apostle Paul is saying. So today, this is what I want us to do. I want us to rewind. We're going to... And we're going to back up a little bit here. And we're going to look at the start of this chapter. Because the start of this chapter... I'm going to pull this up a little bit. I feel like I'm distant from it. There we go. <clears throat> the start of this chapter here is, is something huge that you need to understand. So this is what he says in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says this. Imitate who? God, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Watch this. Live a life filled with love, following the example of, of Christ. Following the example of Christ. Okay, so I need a kid for this illustration. Any kid want to come help me with this illustration? Raise your hand if you want to come. Oh, what? Come on. Oh, my goodness, with the personal. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, what's your, what's your name? Grace. Grace. Grace, how old are you? Four. Four. Awesome. What is this you got going on here? Um, that's my purse. That's your purse. Okay, all right. You don't have to open up the contents. I know. It's, it's probably packed with a lot of things you don't need. Um, all right. I like your glasses. Thank you. Those are awesome. Okay. Have you ever played a game called Simon Says? No. No, you have never played a game called Simon Says. Okay, so this is how this game works, all right? Okay, you got to look at me. All right, so Simon Says works this way. When I say Simon Says, whatever Simon Says after that, that's what you have to do. Okay, you got it? So if I say Simon Says, watch, everybody here is going to help you. Simon Says, raise your right hand. Oh, there, there we go. Okay, all right. So Simon Says, raise your left hand. Oh, look, there we go. Okay, see, everybody's helping you. All right. You know, you, do you know you're right from left? You know, left hand, right hand. There we go. Okay, all right. Simon says, stick out your tongue. Okay, all right, okay. So this is how it works, though. If, if I say something, but I don't say Simon says before it, then you're out. Okay? So that's how you lose. So if I say, stick out your tongue. Oh, nope, can't do it. You'd be out. Simon didn't say. It's complicated, I know. Okay, so, so we're going to play. Are you ready to play? You know how it works? If Simon says it, you got to do it. But if Simon doesn't say it, you don't do it. Okay? All right? Okay, here we go. All right. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to stay down here with you. Okay, all right. So they'll all play with you too. Okay, so here's how it goes. All right, ready? Simon says, turn around. Yes. All right. Simon says, hop on one foot. Nice. Simon says, wiggle your nose with your fingers. Wiggle your nose with your fingers. Simon, where's your nose? You know where that is? You know where your nose is? Right there, yeah. Yeah, but I can't do it. You can't what? Can't do it. Oh, you can't do that. Okay, it's a little too difficult. Sorry. 
Um, Simon says, raise your right arm. Simon says, raise your left arm. Simon says, put your arm down. Simon says, raise both hands. Put them down. Oh! Simon didn't say. <laughs> give me a hug, Grace. Good job. Y'all give Grace a hand. Good job, girl. I just might preach from down here. It's a lot more comfortable. Um, so... Here's the big deal. What would it look like if Christianity was actually that simple? If Jesus says it, just do it. And if Jesus doesn't say it, just don't do it. This says, live a life filled with love following. Come on, you know, if Jesus says it, we should say it. If Jesus did it, we should do it. If Jesus wouldn't say it, I mean, no, we shouldn't say it. So this is so important for us to understand because what would our life look like if we loved others as we've been loved? What would it look like if we forgave others the way we've been forgiven? What would it look like if we gave grace the same way we've been received grace? Are y'all with me today? So Ephesians chapter 5 starts with, hey, All of Ephesians, chapter 1 through 4, was Apostle Paul telling us who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf. And then when you start getting into 5 and 6, he says, okay, this is how you live like a Christian, though. If you want to live the life that really, truly follows Jesus, it needs to start by you imitating God. Here's the problem with culture right now. Ready? Everybody's imitating culture. Everybody's imitating the world. Everybody's responding the way the world responds. Everybody's doing what the world is doing. I mean, no, that's getting us nowhere. It's keeping things divided. But we need to imitate in love. Now, I want you to see this. Okay, so this was was before Ephesians 5, verse 18, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's fast forward and see all the stuff he talks about after he says be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I didn't put this on the screen, but I just, I'm gonna, I wrote down all these different things. Now watch this. So be filled with the Holy Spirit is in verse 18. Verses 22 through 24 talks about wives lovingly submit to their husbands. Verse 25 through 33, husbands love your wives as laying their li- your life down for her. Verse, uh, chapter 6, 1 through 4, children love your parents by honoring them. That was parents, that was your chance to amen, okay? All right, ready? Kids, this is your part. Parents love your children well. Uh, six, uh, verses 5 through 8, employees respect your bosses, all right? And, and be a hard worker for Jesus, And then in verse 9, he talks about bosses treating your employees with respect and fairness. Okay, now watch this. So this is what Paul is saying. Ready? Paul is saying, verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of the chapter, and even all the way into chapter 6, he says, because when you're filled with the Spirit, it affects every area of your life. It affects you're a better husband, you're a better wife, you're a better employee, you're a better boss, you're a better child, you're a better parent. So, so this is so huge here. Ready? You don't just get the ability to speak in another language. You also get the ability to speak in love. Amen. Amen. We get so worried about speaking in tongues that you, figure, you, you forget that being filled with the Holy Spirit means you now can speak in love. Yes. Yes. So watch this. If you want to write this down, a fruitful life is the evidence of a spirit-filled life. A fruitful life is the evidence of a spirit-filled life. So here's the question. How do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Ready? The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is evident. 
The evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit is evident. How do you know someone loves to work out? They do it, but, but what else? They look like they do it. Okay. As you can tell, this is two days a week, all right? There was five, it looked a little different. And I like Dr. Pepper, okay? So lay off me. And so how do you know an apple tree is healthy? You see apples, right? Why is this so important? Let me, let me show you a scripture of why this is so vitally important. A fruitful life is the evidence of a spiritual life. John 15 verse 8 says this, because when you produce what? Much fruit. You are my true, watch this, and this brings great glory to my Father. Glory to my Father. So this is so huge for you to understand here. God wants you and I to live fruitful lives. Why? Because when you're fruitful, you bring glory to God. So it's not just enough that you can speak in tongues or do miracles or healings, and we're going to talk all about that next week. But I've got to start today with the motivation of why we even want the Holy Spirit in the first place. And so that's why, that's why we want to have the Holy Spirit is so that we can bear fruit in our lives. And by bearing fruit, we show that we're disciples. And we do that, we give glory to God. This is the motivation behind all that we do. So with that being said, the rest of this series, today, next Sunday, and the next, are going to be rooted in Two fruits that God wants you to produce in your life. This is what he wants in our lives. Let me give you the two fruits. If you're taking some notes, number one, inner fruit. Inner fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to dive deep into this one today. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because we're about to unpack it. But let me give you the verse for it. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the, everybody say it. Holy Spirit produces. That's important. If you have a real Bible or something, underline that, highlight that. You need to know that. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Watch this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Here we go. Verse 25. Since we are... Living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Remember, Ephesians 5 tells us of all the different areas of our lives that we should be living this in. This is, uh, this is so huge, though, here. So inner fruit, fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is the inside fruit that God is trying to develop. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Let me show you that number two, because number two is going to be what we're going to talk about in the last part of this series, which is outer fruit. And outer fruit is the partnership with the Spirit to win souls and make disciples. It's a partnership with God's Spirit to win souls and to make disciples. Let me read this verse for you. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says this. The fruit of the righteous is a what? Is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. That God not only develops inner fruit inside of us, but he also develops outer fruit of our lives where our 
passion is for people to know Christ and to make disciples. This is all a part of the, the great commandment. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about this, as I said, on July 19th. But I want us to make sure that we don't mix up the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Because those are totally two different things. The fruit of the Spirit is something that you can begin to develop in your life just because you're saved. The gifts of the Spirit, though, on the other hand, are what we get when we're baptized in the Spirit, which we talked about last week, and those begin to manifest. And, and you'll see in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the nine different spiritual gifts that are there. But I want you to read with me 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and it says this. A spiritual gift, I want you to see the, the purpose of a spiritual gift. What's the purpose of miracles and faith and healing and prophecy and tongues and uh, spirits of uh, discernment? What, what is all of that? Watch this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help what? So we can help each other. So we can help each other. But today we're looking at inner fruit. So let's dive into inner fruit because this is where it all comes. This is where it's so huge. Galatians chapter 5, let's look back at it. Verse 22 through 25, it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now notice who produces the fruit. Who produces it? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And also, I want you to notice one other thing. Notice, because every time I hear people talk about the fruit of the Spirit, they say the fruits of the Spirit. Notice he did not say the fruits of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit. That is actually very key to understand. Because most of us, when you read this list right here, you do what I do. It's a checklist. Love, mm, could work on that one a little bit. Joy, I'm happy. Peace, I got some peace. Patience. Okay, I'm about a two on that one. Kindness, depends who it is. I'll give myself a five, okay. Goodness, I am good. Give myself an eight. Faithfulness. I haven't cheated on my wife. I'm faithful. Nine. And you go through this list as if it's a checklist to see which ones you do really, really good in and which ones you don't do good in and then go, okay, I really need to work on the patience one. I really need to work on the love one. When the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you and he begins to develop the fruit of the Spirit, he's developing all nine of them. All nine of them. Now, let me put it this way. There may be some of these that you are naturally good at because it's just pers your personality. It has nothing to, be, to do with the fruit of the Spirit. It's just your personality. Like maybe you're just, you're personally a very nice person. And, and you just happen to be nice. And you're like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm good. I'm gentle and I'm kind. Well, that's because your personality is that way. That not necessarily might not mean it's a fruit of the Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit does is it comes in your life and heightens all of these in your life. So I wrote it down this way. You are really only as mature as your most immature fruit. Yeah, that's what I said when God told me that. So, Because I went through it, and I was like, man, I'm good at this, and God just wanted me to know. You are really only as mature as your most immature fruit. Because God's trying to grow all of them in our lives, and we tend to separate these. But he wants you to grow in every single one of these. Okay, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so how do we live inner fruitful lives? How do we get to become fruitful people? I'm going to give you three thoughts, and then we're going to be done today. Number one, 
Fruit is a byproduct of staying connected to the source. Fruit is a byproduct of staying connected to the source. All right, kids, all the kids in here, I want you to look at me. Have any of you kids ever walked by an apple tree or an orange tree or any kind of fruit tree and ever heard the tree doing this? You ever heard a tree do that? No? Nope, me neither. Okay. You know why? Because they don't have to try to bear fruit as long as they're connected to the source. Fruit naturally comes out of their life. They don't have to try. It's not a, oh. Healthy fruit comes from healthy roots. It is good. Thank you. Healthy fruit comes from healthy roots. And here's what ends up happening. Ready? Watch this. Christians think spiritual growth my wife is now getting into like gardening and plants and all this stuff. So like we're getting overridden by plants, not only outside. It started outside, but how many know it makes its way inside the home? <laughs> so every time we go, we had to go to somewhere Friday so she could buy more vases. I'm like, for what? You know why. <laughs> like I don't need one on the toilet, but it's okay. Okay, if that's what you want, we'll put them everywhere. They're everywhere. So they are everywhere. And uh, they're beautiful, though. And she's doing a great job, and they're coming, and they're starting to bloom now, so she's getting really all excited and all this stuff. But I want you to imagine, okay, imagine this. And she's, like, from seeds. Most of these are, like, from seeds. So she's, like, nurturing them and weeding them and, like, going out every day and checking on them and, you know, looking at them. I want you to imagine if these things were, were growing, but they weren't blooming. And so she went to the, you know, the nursery here in town, and went and bought a rose, like she, she planted a rose bush. And imagine she went and got a, a, a fully grown rose bush and brought it to our house and clipped all those roses off and then went to her rose bush and started stapling them to all of hers. Can you imagine that? Now, from the distance, you would look at that and go, man, look at that rose bush. But then you would get up to it and you go, what in the world is going on here? She's got a dead bush with stapled roses to it. It looks so weird. The reason I say that is because for many of us, we approach spiritual growth like that. We have a bush that's not alive, some, some death in our life, and instead of doing the work that we need to let it be healthy from the inside, we just try to staple some roses to it to make it look good from the outside. And go, look, I'm gentle. Look, I'm faithful. Look, I'm good. No, you're not. You're dead trying to put something alive to it. And by the way, that will die eventually too. That's why, how do you know you can fake good for a while, but eventually it's going to show. So if you're dating a guy and he looks all good from the outside for a little while, just give him time. You're going to find out if he's got some fake roses up on that bush. So I want you to understand that. Now, now, why is this so important? Okay, so let me give you another analogy. And I know we have kids in the room, but when Lindsay, Lindsay and I have three boys, okay? When conception happened, I wasn't thinking about boys. I was just thinking about loving my wife. Okay? And because I was just concerned with loving my wife, 
we got three boys. Okay, we all there? All right. I'm trying to stay at 30,000 feet here, okay? So, y'all help me. Are y'all with me, though? I wasn't concerned about boys. I was concerned about just loving my wife. And because I just love my wife, Josiah, Judah, and Joel. Okay, ready? Watch this. We're so concerned with having love and patience and peace. I just need peace. I just need joy. No, no, no. You just need Jesus. And if you'd focus on loving Jesus, you'll get all those. You'll get them all. You'll get love. You'll get joy. You'll get peace. I just need peace in my life. You just need Jesus. Just connect it and stay connected to Jesus. And so I, I, I saw a quote that said this, and I thought this was so huge. For every one look you take at yourself complaining about your fruitlessness, take 10 looks at Jesus and boast in his faithfulness. For every time you look at yourself and go, I'm just this, and I don't have this, and I don't do this, just look at Jesus because he's got everything that you need. Watch. Let me show you. John 15 verse 5 says this. I am the sprouting vine. This is I. This is Jesus speaking. I am the sprouting vine, and you are my branches. And as you live in union with me, as your, watch this, fruitfulness will stream from within you. It will. Watch the the next verse says this. But when you live separated from me, you are, for apart from me, you can do So watch this. Every time you're in your life where you feel powerless, I can tell you it's because you're disconnected from the source. The source is what brings the power. The source is what brings the life. The source is what brings the fruit. So if you're fruitless, maybe it just needs to be that you don't need to go worry about focusing on developing the fruit. Maybe you should just go focus on staying connected to the source. I didn't even know I was going to get my preach on. I already started. Okay, 9 a.m. Got me all charged up. Number two, fruit takes time. It takes time. Hebrews 6.12 says this. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God had promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Now watch this. Any of y'all, like, um, it's probably even happened during all this quarantine and stay-at-home stuff, so you haven't been around people, you know, maybe haven't been around relatives or friends and you haven't seen them in months or whatever, and then, and then you see them or you see their kids. We see this more in kids than anything, but you see their kids, and then, and then you say something like this, oh, my goodness, look how much you've grown up. Like, it's been three months. Like, especially kids that are, like, in their teenage years and, like, the puberty hits and they're, like, shooting up, like, six inches in, like, three months or they outgrow your shoe size like my son's doing right now. It's just you got this major growth that's happening. But how many know when you're in that season, you don't see it yourself, but other people do? And we're usually always really, really hard on myself, like, man, I feel like I'm not growing. But how many know you're growing more than you think you are sometimes and you need other people to, to tell it to you? Hey, maybe you're not where you used to be, but let me tell you something. You're not where you used to uh, be. Maybe you're not where you want to be. <laughs> let me back that up a little bit here. Let me run up. But I mean, no, we're not where we used to be. So, so I wrote this down. God is not into fast-fading fruit. He wants slow, gradual growth. Slow, gradual growth in our life. Fruit just takes time. To develop a love, I wish I could say, hey, let's pray a prayer, and you're going to walk out of here, and love's going to be like, bam, 
home and you're like, you're loving everybody. But how many know that's going to take some time? Joy, peace. Everybody wants, you know, everybody wants six-minute abs. And listen, they try to sell it, and they try to sell you a pill, and they try to sell you a quick thing, and let's get quick stuff. But how many know real, real, life-changing things in our lives take a long time? Hey, let's try six months in a gym every day. No, no, no. I want the six-minute abs. I want this, and then go, like, that's what I want, right? I want to pop the pill, and 50 pounds just shed just immediately, right? It doesn't work that way, and the same's with the Christian life. Spiritual growth takes time, takes development. Just, it just takes time. Number three, last, I got to finish. Fruit is for the benefit of others. It's for the benefit of others. How many know fruit on a fruit, on a fruit tree is not, for the fruit, is not for the tree? Let me say that again. Fruit on the fruit tree is not for the tree. I feel like I should rhyme something after that. Okay, so fruit on a fruit tree is for the benefit of those who pick the tree not for the tree. So, let me ask you this. Ready? When people come into contact with your life, do they taste and see that the Lord is good? When people come in contact with you and they eat from the fruit of your tree, do they taste and see God is so good? You know, when you think about what the church is known for, the church is known for traditions. The church is known for buildings. The church is known for its different styles that it has. The church is known even often, which is sad, for what it's against. But I wish there would come a day that the church would be known for not what we're against, but what we're for. And the Bible gives us one example of what we should be known for. And when I say the church, yet again, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us as followers of Christ who are the body of Christ, who claim to know God and have a relationship with God. Jesus gives one example of what he wants from his church. This is what he says in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Everybody tell me this word. Love one another as I have loved. And so you must. How I many know when you're talking to your kids and you repeat yourself, you're trying to get a point across? And so Jesus says, hey, guys, if there's anything I want for you guys, I just want you to be able to love one another. And here's how you're going to do it. What I did to you, just do to someone else. The love I gave you, give that away. The way I forgive you, I want you to forgive that way. And watch this. By this, you will know. Everyone will know, sorry. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How is this world going to know that you're a follower of Christ? It's not by what you preach. It's not by what you post on Facebook. It's not by how you defend your stance on what you think political things should be. It's going to be how you love one another. 
How do we love one another? The church is the only organization that we shoot our own. We shoot our own. And Jesus is telling us one example of what we should be known for. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Three times in this verse. Galatians 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the reason for it. Galatians 5, right before. Let's rewind. Galatians 5, 22 through 25 is the fruit of the Spirit. But Galatians 5, 14 through 16 is this. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch, watch 15. God, if this is not a timely verse for us as a culture right now and for the church. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And here he goes. He reminds us yet again. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. A fruitful life is evidence of a spirit-filled life. It is evident. Let me show you one more. We're done. I hope. I'm unpacking all of these scriptures, all these passages that talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit. I'm rewinding them or fast-forwarding them to show you why you need it. Galatians 5, Ephesians 5. Now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are all about the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk all about that next week. We're going to talk about tongues and miracles and all that stuff is going to be unpacked next week. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 talks all about the gifts of the Spirit. But does anybody know what chapter 13 focuses on? 12 and 14, gifts of the Spirit. Does anybody know what 13 is focused on? Love. It is the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all that. It is squeezed in the middle between gifts of the Spirit and prophecy and tongues and miracles and discernment of spirits prophecy in tongues on this side and here we are in the middle of both of these is love watch what 1 Corinthians 13 1 says if I could speak all the languages of earth and all the languages of angels but I didn't what love who love others I would only watch this I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal I think love is one of the greatest evidences of being filled with the Spirit. How many of you know, don't raise your hand, people who speak in tongues and are mean as hell? They have the gifts of the Spirit, but not the inner fruit of the Spirit. I would rather, I would rather be a people who are known not by our ability to just do miracles and not just for our ability to have hope and not for our ability just to have faith in this place. But I would, I would hope that our church would be known for being a church that love is overflowing it. It is the greatest driving force. Watch what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this. Next, next chapter, verse 1, very beginning says, let be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities, or other translations say the gifts of the Spirit, the special gifts that the Spirit gives. So watch this. He's saying this. I want you to desire inner fruit, and I want you to desire outer fruit. I want you to desire inner, 
to let love be your highest goal, but I also want you to desire the special gifts and the abilities that God gives us with the gifts of the Spirit. It's not either or. How many know? It's both and. It's both and. Like my wife is doing all the planning, like I told you, and all the gardening and all that stuff. And so now she's ordering on Amazon extra stuff to come in. Come on, it's just always extra, all right? It's always extra. To come in to fight all of the stuff that's out there that's trying to eat up her, her plants and extra stuff to help it give a boost to grow. I feel like the Holy Spirit is that. I feel like the Holy Spirit says, okay, you can try to love, but how many know when you're full of the Holy Spirit, how many know he gives you a boost to love? You can try to fight off all of the stuff around you and negativity and everything, but how many know when the Holy Spirit comes, how many know he gives you a boost to defend all of the stuff that's around you, negativity and criticalness and all of that, that stuff is there. So today, how do I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's evident. It's evident. Your life is evident. If you've been following your own way, that's evident. If you've been following the ways of Christ, that's evident. And listen, and, and we vacillate between being led by flesh and being led by the Spirit. And depending on what day it is and how much sleep I got, come on now. But when there's those days where I'm very, very fleshly, I have to just reposture myself to go, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you today. Fill me again. That's why we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time experience. It's every day I posture my heart to go, God, I need you today. I blew it today. And guess what the Holy Spirit does? Go apologize to your wife. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Go apologize to your wife. Get behind me, Satan. That is not of God. Go apologize to your wife. <sighs> and I walk over to my wife and say, hey. You know what that is? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's work of the Holy Spirit. So that's my prayer today is that we would get the motivation behind this and understand. Let love be the driving force. Let love, let us be known for what we're for. Fruit is for the benefit of others. I pray that when people come in contact with anybody who names our Savior's church as, they, as their church, they would say, I don't know a lot about what those people believe, and I don't even know if I agree with what they believe, but it is very evident that those people love God and they love people really well. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Would you bow your heads in this place? Father, we love you, and we do. We, we want that to be the resounding anthem of our lives, our love for you and our love for people. God, help us. Help us to do both of those well. I thank you that you have given us your greatest gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and not only just fill us with power so we can do miracles, but you've empowered us so we can live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We live disciplined in our lives. That is all the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're here in this place right now and you know that God is developing that more and more inside of you and you just, you just need some extra help, 
Maybe you've been trying to staple the roses to your life and you're just realizing that's, that's, that's not gonna work. I need to be connected to the source. I need to be connected to the source. And if that's you right now and you say, Pastor Josh, I, I, I need a reconnection with the source. If that's you, nobody look around. I just want you to just lift your hands. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Some of those hands going up all across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Over here, over here, thank you, thank you. If you're online, you can say, man, that's, that's me as well. I just, I just need a reconnection with the source. So Father, right now, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's raised their hand that just recognizes. God, may we've been disconnected from the source. God, we wanna reconnect with you today. Thank you, Lord, that you've loved us well. God, thank you, Lord, that you're walking with us. Thank you that you're here in this place with us. Father, we welcome you to come. God, but you are calling us, you're drawing us to reconnect with you. I pray that it wouldn't just happen inside this church during this service, but I pray that it would go forth Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and beyond, God, that we would stay connected to you, God. We desperately need you in our lives today, and we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come fill us fresh and anew today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise for who he is?